Hey Nora. Nora. Hey Sandy. <laughs> hey, hey, hey Sandy. The hell was that? Um, I I had not. I was recording and then I stopped recording and then I was recording again. I'm sorry. Hey. <laughs> hey. What's up? Not a whole lot. It's uh, I feel like a real summer lull, but it it's amazing. Everyone that I thought would be on vacation and not necessarily checking out the podcast, you're. You're all still there. You're all still listening to us. That's so great. We have such a great listener base. Um, And before we get into what we're going to talk about today, which is Nora's favorite political operative, (laughs) Warren Kinsella, and her favorite political party, the Greens, um, (laughs) (laughs) I just kind of wanted to shout out a comment that we got on our Facebook from our last show. Yeah. Long-time listener, first-time caller. That's how he (laughs) self-described. Ben Donato Woodger. Uh, Left us a really, really great um, critical comment um, on our last episode where we talked about social media and democracy and kind of like, it was like a gloom and doom episode about how we had no idea what to do with like these tech companies that take over everything. (laughs) <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know normally we are the type that are like organized and here's some things you can think about and we were literally like we have no idea what to do and ben ben here <laughs> great listener is like guys guys that's not <laughs> that is not how maybe we should be oriented around this and so um he had some thoughts about uh how we could you know make a commitment in our lives to switch to open source uh, applications instead of using you know, the the most popular stuff that's out there and committing the time that it would take to make those types of switches in our lives to to really not get too down on the fact that um, regulation will be difficult because, yes, uh, political parties do uh, rely on these uh, on these um, conglomerates. But that doesn't mean that it's impossible. It's it's still possible to force some regulation. And he says that you know, maybe we need a new kind of literacy, not financial literacy, <laughs> <laughs> but like technological literacy. Perhaps we, we need to learn how to code. And that, as someone who knows how to code, I think is a great, great suggestion and something that perhaps should be a core piece of education that all of us are required to learn as we move further and further into this new world. Mm. Yeah, I was very happy to see his comment um, for the reasons you've stated, but also to to demonstrate that you know p- the issues that we raise on this on this show or the issues that we're that we're confronting, people are thinking about them and people are thinking about how to respond and how to resist. And so, um, Ben, thank you so so much for the comment. It's at our Facebook page, so if you haven't checked out our Facebook page, like it's just Sandy Nor Talk Politics. Definitely head over to the Facebook page. That's where we post a lot of our episodes um, and you can share them on Facebook and make sure that your parents and your aunt and uncle and cousin and brothers and children are listening to us. Um, <laughs> but also that that engagement's really, really critical. And it, it, it also made me like for when I read his comment, I, I kind of like felt snapped a little bit out of that just despair. And like, yeah, you know, it's yeah, hard to say that the government needs to do something and we all know that they won't. But at the end of the day, I mean, we actually do have the power to force them to do certain things. It's about it's it's also just about that that ability to explain these things to average people so that politicians feel like they actually do need to take action. Right. And so 
as impossible as it feels for uh, Facebook or for um, Google to be regulated, it is possible. And we just need to have politicians stand up against these multinationals. And this is where you got to shout out um, a lot of politicians in Quebec who have actually been standing up against, um, to, uh, standing up to uh, corporations like Netflix and demanding actually that they that they do start paying tax. So. And we, we all know the only way to make these politicians do these things is to create the political will. So if the political will isn't there, you've got to come up with creative ways to to uh, pool our own resources as people on the ground and create that political will. So thank you for that reminder. Ben, uh, we encourage you folks to take a look at, at the comment. It's long, but it's worth the read. Yes, yes. And also, uh, one other reach back into the past, and, and Sandy, you just mentioned it, but I actually just want to underline um, that uh, we're right again. <laughs> the uh, whole discussion about financial literacy got uh, back into the news last week because Doug Ford is now going to be teaching kids how to add, and um, I'm not sure what exactly because there's no evidence that his government is financially literate itself. Mm. But thank you, liberals, for setting that up so nicely for Ford to just knock right down. Appreciate it. It's great. <laughs> And you can continue to add things to the careers and civics class until it um, like really makes, you know, it never really did make any sense. So I don't know. <laughs> it was like the, the smallest, most ridiculous class ever. Just put everything in there that maybe sounds good on a platform point. That's yeah. What it is. Well, <laughs> you know, you, you're focusing on civics, but like, let's let's not forget that conservatives have imaginations, too. And I suspect that what we're going to start seeing like actual math courses get supplanted by some of this financial literacy stuff just to ensure that that the Ontario high school system is making perfect little widget kids that can then go directly into the workforce <laughs> or go re- directly into the debt world. Somebody go create some demand for tech literacy, please. <laughs> It's like actually real. <laughs> anyway, it's actually real. Nora's favorite political actor personality. Yeah, so this this show's not. Let's. I mean, okay. Let's be clear for anybody who might be listening to this and might actually ha- have a direct line into Kinsella himself. This episode is not about Warren Kinsella at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> This episode is a story, an allegory of what happens when your political party has absolutely no engine to its grassroots and starts to spin out in weird and unpredictable ways. (laughs) And you look at it and say, how the fuck did that happen? And if you thought that the party that was led by a single person who seems like someone with integrity and who's smart and who's passionate and who's committed. And then you say, how could this party make this mistake? The answer, my friends, is as you chase power, if your membership is not engaged, you too will break off from whatever is tethering you to the ground and fly into the stratosphere and say, maybe our path to victory is by hiring Warren Kinsella. (laughs) Oh my God. That sounds that sounds like a really bad idea. Who would think that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this guy's been uh, he's been hired by every political party, so a lot of people would think that. Um, oh, but, yeah, you for know. sure. Why would this political party think that? Well, let's back up. Let's okay. back up. What are we talking about here? We are talking about <laughs> we're talking about the Greens, and there is a lot 
of uh, there's a lot of critique this week on the Twitter box, on the social medias, a lot of confusion in the commentaries about uh, how the Green Party has hired political strategist Warren Kinsella to take them through the next federal election that is coming up oh so quick. Well, we're already in the midst of it. Yeah, 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 why not? (laughs) (laughs) Why not, Nora? Why not? Okay, so first of all, we've got a world where, like, there's kind of like adults and children in in party politics, right? And Mm -hmm. the Greens are kind of like the children of, of of the political world. And uh, Kinsella is a guy who has been around for a long time, and he's been in the war room of a lot of liberal campaigns. Uh, he, you know, was or is a liberal operative. Of course, he donated to the Conservative Party this year a, a handsome chunk of change, more than $1,000. Um, mm-hmm. And so then there were some questions. Well, I won't even pose those questions because the guy threatened to sue me for asking, does he work for the Conservative Party of uh, Ontario? And, um, you know, that, so that, you that's not So you shouldn't ask question. that question on this podcast. Don't ask that question. No. If you ask that question, um, the thought police will come and, and put a, a bullet into your uh, into your brain so they can't ask any questions. And so, um, yeah, so, so, so Kinsella has been around for a long time and is someone he, he's also got a PR agency. He's a lawyer and uh, is a gun for hire. And, you know, the, the, the Greens, I guess. They just, they smell that victory, I guess. I don't know. I don't really know what um, what you would have to imagine he's going to, get to deliver for you because at some level, politics isn't actually that complicated. But anyway, um, but the Greens uh, just being like, we can get government, um, I guess, has hired uh, Warren Kinsella. And, and he's known for outbursts and saying really bad stuff, uh, goofy stuff, stuff that he... Uh, doesn't have to apologize for because he doesn't give a rat's ass. And so, you know, got to respect a guy who doesn't care. Um, but that it can bring shame <laughs> to your party. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. And so mm-hmm. so this was announced this past week. And uh, Elizabeth May has already had to backtrack a little bit about the role that Kinsella is going to be playing. Like, you know, that he's not going to change anything about the party. And he's not going to do all this fucking whatever. And uh, and a lot of people didn't buy it. And, and the people who didn't buy it the most, obviously, were liberals. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The liberal Twitter sphere, I think, lost its collective mind and um, and really had a heyday with it. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is like a really weird position for the Greens to take, I suppose. But if you like, if you've been paying attention to the Green Party, they are just generally weird. Like, <laughs> there's this. I think there's this. <laughs> I think there's this thought that they fit very nicely on this left-right continuum where they, they're like just to the left of maybe the, the NDP sometimes is what people assume. That's not real. That's not real. We're here to let you know. That's not that's not real. They, well, generally, I mean, if, if you were talking about uh, provincially, they like they can tend to be kind of goofily unorganized. But mm-hmm. um like even federally, they make some really weird uh, policy positions. Their economic position has generally been more conservative than what the uh, like the layperson would probably um, assume. But even some of their positions on things such as the use of oil. <laughs> Is like really weird for a party that's called the Green Party to take. 
Yeah. Yeah. So the green, I love the Green Party for a whole bunch of reasons. You and do? I love them the most. I do because they are <laughs> they are just such a symbol of what happens when politics becomes untethered from from political analysis. <laughs> Okay, so you have this party that has a brand, and the brand is green, and so they don't have to work very hard to tell you that they are for green something or other. The problem is, is that, that the green spectrum is quite large. And, um, you know, what, what's considered conservative politics in, in Europe, let's say, on things like rail or uh, on, on urban uh, sustainable stuff, um, in Canada is actually kind of considered left-wing. But... When you think about it, I mean, if you're if you're trying to maintain the economy as it is, but you say we need to have an, a, a massive transition to renewables, and that that transition should be electric cars or 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 transporting Canadian oil, uh, just so that it's not being exported, but just it stays in Canada, which is actually their policy. I mean, that's where you start to see that the Greens really do just want a status quo that doesn't kill us. Which, I mean, sounds great, right? Like, how that is probably, I would suspect that a vast majority of Canadians want to maintain everything the way it is, with the exception of the, the, the collision course uh, towards uh, mass suicide that we're on, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, what's the problem with that, Sandy? I mean, you cannot like you cannot do that. Like the 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 way that the, let me tell you about how capitalism works and like white supremacy and like all these things. You cannot keep things the same and not die. Like the end road of all of this is complete death. And so what you know, the the Green Party's policy of like okay, they're going to ban foreign oil imports. Okay, sounds on brand. And they will only use domestic crude oil uh, instead. Uh. A little <laughs> off-brand, seems strange, and is like really into still exporting oil throughout the country, um, uh, like using pipeline. <laughs> like it, I just, it's like off-brand. <laughs> Don't understand. And it's doing those things is already killing us. And the mm. idea is, here is like, we're just going to do it until um, we can wean ourselves off. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah, do that's you super progressive. What are you talking about? You know, like, there are people who are already uh, dying from these things. And so clearly there's a, there's a, there's a we that you're really focused on here in terms of we can wean ourselves off. But like what? <sighs> what is the need measure? Like, I just don't understand, like, where are your actual principles and politics coming from? It just it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But when you when you put that into um, the, the context of, oh, and, and we're also going to hire Warren Kinsella. It's like, oh, everything makes sense, actually. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the Green Party, <laughs> the, the Green Party is, is so effective as a protest voice because when they, when they only have to respond to the worst of the conservatives or the worst of the liberals, they're great. 
They're very yeah. good. Elizabeth as, May is smart. As seen through the SNC Lavalin stuff that happened earlier this year, Elizabeth May was one of the, the best, <laughs> one of the best uh, uh, political actors out there in terms of how she was actually asking the questions that people should have been asking the whole time. Like, hey, are the jobs really in danger? Like, she was the first to ask that after like such a long period of the liberals saying, oh, this entire thing is about jobs and. Uh, <laughs> was the one who like exposed that it wasn't like you know she's she you know they're great as you know keeping people honest in a way like I didn't want to use that 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 phrase but like you know as as a protest party as you say yeah and and also because they have so few resources like what we see the performance of Elizabeth May and of the Green Party is is really bare bones like that is Elizabeth May right she doesn't have the, the same ability to have researchers or to have handlers or to have whatever at, at their disposal as um, as any of the other parties, the NDP included. Um, and so, I mean, so she is an incredibly impressive and effective politician in one sense. That does not a political party make. <laughs> and, and, and this disconnect between average voters who would want to vote green or even their, 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 the candidates that are running, uh, and then the, the, the leap to, towards, you know, let's say getting government. I mean, it's, it's astronomical. And if you want to see what, like, what are the steps that a small party has to make to begin to get into positions of power, you certainly need to have an all-star team of politicians. Like, mm-hmm. you, that's just kind of not negotiable. If you're not an all-star and you're in a small party, people will they can see, they can tell. Yeah. But if you look at Quebec Solidaire in, in, in Quebec, I mean, the difference, the, the party, in, 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 the, the strength of Quebec Solidaire is that as they're getting closer to being in a position of relative power compared to where they've ever been. So they're, they're, they're riding number two in the polls, which has never happened. They are, they've managed their finances better than all three other parties, which is great and not too surprising if you know anything about how left wingers manage money, which is fucking good, by the way. <laughs> Um, and they have superstar M- M- uh, MNAs, but they also remain extremely connected to the membership, the grassroots, uh, to the communities that they serve. So whether or not those people are actually in the party or not, and the politics are always drawing from a, a political perspective that makes sense. And so if you look at Quebec Solidaire's position on the environment, it makes sense. I mean, the gaps that exist within their platform are gaps that kind of broadly exist, like explaining exactly how you would transition, I mean, um, a tar sand worker into a, into a renewable job. I mean, those kinds of things are a little bit more great, but I, there's no one that is putting out research that's like, oh, that's airtight. That makes a lot of sense. That's the only place where they're a little bit weak. But otherwise, the, the platform, and the policy makes a lot of sense. And then that translates into a lot of different effects. It translates into a clarity for the voter base. So people actually understand that this is a party that has an idea of what they're doing that translates into a credibility it translates into being an effective opposition as well and it and it eventually it it helps to lay the foundation for as you start to get closer to power you have this uh tethering with the with the grassroots that doesn't actually want you to chase power that wants you to fulfill the role that your party is set to fulfill which is actually changing a society not just not just seeking power so when you look at the Green Party's hiring 
someone like Kinsella to consult, you're like, oh, right. They actually think that there's a bit of a shortcut possible for them to get more power rather than being like, wait a minute, maybe all of our internal policy doesn't actually come from any clear political orientation at all. And maybe as you get more uh, prominent in this country politically, uh, the wheels will fall off of our um, electric car. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that's the big danger for the Greens in the next couple of months. Well, but but this is the thing that's just so disheartening, right? It's like it just it feels as though and I think we've talked about this briefly uh, with respect to the NDP before, but it feels as though, you know, you've got all of these people who um, maybe know or should know or at some point there was the goal for these parties was to change society. And like, let's be clear. A party, a political party, an engagement through a political party is just one way, one of the tools in our toolbox to change society. This is not the goal of a liberal party. This is not the goal of a conservative party. And in some places in this country, it's not the goal of the NDP. Um, But it it should be the goal of the NDP, and it should be the goal of the Greens to change society. And if that is where your orientation is, you're not going to ever consider someone like Warren Kinsella. Warren Kinsella doesn't want to change society. How could he possibly be one of your one of the tools in your toolbox towards doing that? You're not going to think about putting out policy that's like, okay, so we're just going to do this as slow as possible, so no one can really. Um, really think about how many people are dying from climate change every year (laughs) or climate crises every year. Um, That doesn't make any sense either And if your orientation is towards changing society. If your orientation is towards changing society, you're going to do what you can to educate people on what needs to change. You're going to do what you can to build a base. You're going to do what you can to use all the tools available to you, including the tool of uh, political engagement and perhaps winning some seats uh, in in a legislature that doesn't mean that you never ever look at maybe winning as a goal but winning shouldn't be the goal like the the goal is like I hope for the greens to I don't know save humanity maybe it's not though <laughs> like maybe that was just a really really bad assumption but if it is if that's what it is then man y'all are going about this all the wrong way well, I don't think it is. I mean, you, there's no evidence of that in any of the instances where they have managed to break through to get a, a toehold in power. And so those places, of course, are mostly British Columbia, where they hold a balance of power. And the and the dance between the NDP and the Greens in British Columbia has been a bit weird, right? I mean, the, the, the Greens have not been great on things like the minimum wage in British Columbia, where the Green Party insisted that the the NDP dropped their deadline for raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour, which was supposed to be 2021. And because of negotiations in the minority government situation, they had to drop that to, they had to drop the deadline at all. So they're just going to raise it to, to $15 uh, on some sort of, I don't know, different schedule. So that kind of stuff is like pretty uh, clear. That makes it very clear where a lot of the Green uh, Party orientation might be. And that's really important because then you can see that, okay, then like as they're actually able to influence public policy on things that aren't green issues, then it's like, okay, so so what exactly is the goal of this party? Is this a small C conservative party that, that really does want to maintain the status quo but wants us all in electric cars instead of uh, gas guzzlers? And 
I think that that's what Canadians are not very clear on. And because the political discussion, the political discourse on the left in this country is so fucking pathetic that average people don't actually get enough mainstream analysis between the difference of the NDP and the Greens. And then posing the question, well, what the fuck is the point of the Green Party in the first place if it isn't to change the system first and then get power second? And then... Of course, I mean, this whole conversation can't happen without talking about the NDP either, because the, the other thing about protest parties is they often exist in opposition or in reaction to the mainstream parties. And people often accuse the Greens of being liberals. I think that's a pretty uh, boring uh, accusation. I think that if they were liberals, they would be in the liberal caucus, quite frankly. But they certainly don't seem to be trying to confront the status quo as much as find ways to access power and then what gets bizarre is as the NDP also professionalizes itself in a way that shuts certain people out of positions either through candidate vetting or or or, or making enemies in certain ways but this is what we saw in the in the by-election that the Green Party won then you start to see people saying well what's the real difference between these two parties is there a real difference between these two parties and if there isn't one, then my vote might go between uh, one or the other. And then, oh, my vote's actually not solid enough anyway. It's going to go to the liberals just because I really hate the conservatives. It's it's kind of just the symptom of how um, how bad <laughs> things are on the left uh, currently, where our, our our political analysis is is really 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 thin. Uh, and I mean the, the like the ultra broad left, including the Green Party, in that. And um, and it will always privilege the conservatives. It's it's if anything, it's it's the liberals and the NDP and the Greens. The dance that they have gotten themselves into that that rut is what privileges the conservatives. And then what Canadians really vote every four years is either are you voting for the conservatives or are you voting against the conservatives. And if these parties um, continue to move in such a way where they are divorcing themselves from these broader principles and the idea of like changing society and instead start to uh, continue to move closer to mimicking what the major parties are doing. They just make themselves more and more irrelevant because like you're just never ever going to be a better liberal or a better conservative than the liberals and the conservatives already are. And then so all you do is become little more than a political distraction at a time where we really desperately need good critical political analysis, good critical alternative parties, uh, policies, excuse me, to turn to in these times that we're living in right now. It is too important to just squander the idea of a political party that is focused on um, seriously addressing the climate crisis and saving humanity. It is too important to squander the idea of a political party that is seriously focused on Uh, on workers, on people who are the most disenfranchised in our society, um, and to just squander those ideas and to just mimic the status quo. We don't need that. And I'm telling you, people are looking for alternatives. And Mm -hmm. the reason why so many people sit out is because these alternatives, you know, you can see through them. You can see through them when they're bullshit. And these moves by the Green Party, uh, they're pretty transparent. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing, too, that is just so grating is that um, that ecosystem of the Liberals, the Greens, and the NDP, if you look online, it's, it is so pathetic how hard the Liberals made this into an issue last week on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
like I had a lot of people responding to me like so so there I, I had a public kind of issue with Warren Kinsella where um, after the Humboldt stuff from last year uh, you know my partner who uh, knew Warren from his days with the McGinty government he reached out hit for uh, to him for for some public for some um, PR advice I had no idea <laughs> I mean I would have been like are you nuts mm-hmm. um, but I mean, but it was also the eye of the hurricane really wasn't sure what to do. And so, you know, and he was like, oh, my gosh, like, is there something I can do? Maybe I can get some ideas. And uh, and his and his advice, which, which was pretty hilarious, was uh, to try and get um, a friendly piece in the star. Try to write something in the star to explain my point of view, which is like, I mean, the most obvious suggestion that you can make. And also a bad suggestion because, uh, you know, unless you're like under a rock, that week was very clear that not a single media outlet in the, in the country was going to be interested in touching me, <laughs> like at all. Um, and so the advice was like, cool, thank you. And then that was kind of it. But Kinsella, he went public with the fact that my partner had been in touch with him and um, made up some stuff about me. And so anyway, it became a big, a big thing. So, for, and a lot of people saw it. And, and because the way that he described me was really fucked up in a lie. Um, and so because of that, this past week, a lot of folks were responding to me about Kinsella saying, how do we get the mainstream media to cover this? Why isn't the mainstream media covering the fact that the Green Party's hiring him? And I think that pretty much everybody who was in touch with me about this was probably someone who would vote liberal. And it's like liberals, listen, I mean, this is the kind of inside baseball that average people could not give more than a third of a shit about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and Kinsella is not a guy. I mean, he's not a celebrity. He's only he's kind of like a litmus test. If you know who he is, you're like in the top 10 percent of like politicos in this country that probably focuses far too much on politics and not enough on like your family or your friends or whatever. Right. And both, you know, I know who Kinsella is. So I'm, in, I'm including myself in that. So that that was the other weird thing about that, that uh that kind of going in like almost viral last week is that most average people wouldn't care. Like most average people wouldn't give a shit and wouldn't know who Warren Kinsella is. So it was like a weird decision to focus on. It was a weird decision to focus on Warren Kinsella uh, as a political actor at all. Um, But I, I suppose perhaps maybe what they were trying to do was to confuse or um, rattle the green operatives but either way it just pulls them into this world where again what they're doing is just mimicking the major parties yeah no exactly and it's and it's pathetic and it's boring it's so boring and I saw some NDPers doing it as well and it was like guys this is boring you are boring <laughs> me nothing like uh, guess what we know that you said that Elizabeth May was a shithead five years ago you were fucking right like what the fuck Stop being boring. Anyway. Which is why this so, which is why this this episode is entirely about Warren <laughs> Exactly. So we don't have much time left. What what has to happen with the Green Party? I have an idea, but like what has to happen with the Green Party, do you think? Well, look, I kind of said it already. Like I just I really think that if this is real, like if they really, really, really want to focus on climate crises and focus on what uh, a changing society so that we can like save humanity they need to start from that being their political goal their political goal can't just be to win and if that is truly their political goal they won't just use uh, the party as the mechanism to do that they will also use 
the broad base of people doing so much demonstrating and organizing to make that happen. And there's so much movement and organizing uh, to draw from all over the world. And so, you know, like, what better time to be a party in a position that's trying to do something like that than now? I agree. I think that that's the optimistic take. I think that's that's really great. Um, I also think that any Green Party in North America that's not like actually rooted in 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 anti in decolonial perspectives and that isn't led by Indigenous people is going to fuck itself. <laughs> it's gonna be <laughs> it, it, like literally cannot do it. Just can't be coherent on these issues. And I think that we're seeing that to some extent with the Green Party. I I actually think that. That, the, that this is where you really need uh, the adults in the room to be very fucking serious about the damage that the Green Party does to the left under the current voting system that we have. So recognizing that the first past the post is not going anywhere in the next couple of elections, at least. I mean, sorry, everybody that loves that shit. Um, that the Green Party actually causes a lot of damage. Like you were saying that they're squandering the name, they're squandering the ideas. They are, but they're actually, it's even worse than that. They are... Um, it's, it's as if they're like, they're like cops taking notes in your, in your meetings and then just always like kind of fucking stuff up. And you're like, why is that guy always fucking our shit up? And you're like, actually he was the cop, right? They are, (laughs) they are so disorienting and so useless that aside from the minor good work that is being done by one individual sometimes, because you know, the parliament is so like not full of superstars, I, I think that this is where you have to get the NDP to be like, can you guys fucking get over yourselves and actually start a, a plan to take over or to take down the Green Party? And the and I say it in those. Thank you. I say it in those terms to like appeal to NDPers. But I think in the in the bet in a better way to think about it is it's actually like you have two parties who apparently have the goal of green something or other, some sort of trying to stop our um, our obsession and our reliance on oil. So two parties trying to do that, whose, whose policies aren't actually all that different on the green file. I mean, there are differences, but I mean, but like, fuck, it's politics. Like, it's called negotiate and debate. But each party has a membership base, and the members need to actually, I think, meet in every single riding in this country and figure out how far apart on various issues they are. And if they, if there are members of the Green Party who should be liberals, they need to go to the Liberal Party. If they're, if they, if they should be conservatives, they need to go to the Conservative Party. And and everybody who's left needs to actually forge ahead in some sort of new political orientation, probably under the banner of the NDP that actually helps to solidify the, the 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 left. I mean, I don't see an argument for why the NDP can't debate their policy and win through a, a process of negotiations with the NDP with the with the Greens. And I don't see why the Greens, if their actual goal is to change the system, why they would continue to operate in the logic of the system. Mm-hmm. I, I mean Having gone through a, a process of a party merger, I have a lot to say about how that can work and how and, and the good things that that actually can do and and can can deliver. But we have seen on the on the the right in this country, the the force of uniting the right has been so effective that it's undeniable that 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 actually needs to happen. And until that needs to happen, I mean, people will just like snipe at each other from the liberals, the conservative, the liberals and the greens and the NDP. And nothing will change. Literally nothing will change. And 
and it's not like the leadership is ready for I think for something like that the leadership of the NDP mm-hmm. I mean the leadership of the NDP is not even able to deal with like slightly renegade members of their own caucus and by renegade I mean like people with clear politics who d- actually don't give a fuck so this would have to actually come from a, a really intense campaign from the grassroots. And of course, we all know the problems as well between the grassroots and the NDP, the, the leadership, and that, that would be very difficult. But I really don't see a future where the NDP and the Greens exist that functions well. Uh, I think British Columbia is the closest to that. And I mean, the Horgan government is not the most radical government out there, right? So... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, look, that's like really provocative. I, I, I haven't thought about that, but I think I kind of like it. I mean, the, 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 the argument against it would be if there was some sort of fundamental difference between the Greens and the NDP, and we we know what they both put forward as their position on um, the climate and on a whole host of other things. And I think you might be right. I don't know. I know we have a a bunch of listeners who uh, ascribe to either party. So perhaps in the comments on Facebook and uh, on Twitter and wherever, we'll we'll hear a sub-commentary on what people think. But in a world where arguments literally make us better people, because if you can win an argument or if you can compromise through argument, you are coming up literally with a better plan than the one that you had before or better justifications for your plans than what you had before, perhaps that's really what needs to be done so that we can win the broader arguments at a society level. Hmm? What do we think? The process of actually a party merger forces members to contend with those differences and to then actually have those debates. I mean, this is this is the, the real problem with how the NDP has atrophied into what they are now. It's like the policy debates don't go anywhere. They don't matter. They don't derive. They don't drive the party. They don't drive priorities, and they don't drive um, the, the 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 really the, the even the election campaign, which is such a disaster. It, it it leaves everything disconnected from what the actual membership wants. But when you create these spaces to say, okay, so the Greens are, are progressive, right? The, a lot of Green voters will say, no, they're just as progressive as the NDP. And then you say, okay, but why are you bad on the, on the, on the minimum wage? Then you have that debate. I mean, unless mm-hmm. you don't think you can win the argument for why the minimum wage needs to go up, and then guess fucking what? You will never convince anybody. Because if you can't convince someone who says, I am a progressive voter, and I don't like the NDP because of fucking I don't know what, then you're never going to convince a conservative or a liberal voter to vote for you. No, it's exactly. I mean, the, the, it just unblocks so much of what has become the, the rut that that the NDP is in and that the Greens, I mean, they're chasing they're, they're, they're chasing one or two more seats and our parliamentary system doesn't care about those seats. Um, no. And so, again, what is your plan? If your plan is to fucking become the Prime Minister of Canada, if your plan is to, to chase power, like, sorry, guys, it's not going to happen under this current arrangement. And it's not going to be good enough for your party's program and ideals to actually make a lick of difference in the House of Commons. I mean, how... And perhaps most importantly, it's not going to be worth it for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, well... Oh, my God. Like, who cares? (laughs) If it's just about power, who cares? We've got people already doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And they they chase power better as well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, it's summer. It's it's a time for reflection and a time for, uh, you know, just sitting outside and, and listening to the wind and thinking about these things. And I would love to hear the best arguments against it because I've, I've said this before on Twitter. And aside from, oh, our policies are so different, it's like they're not actually that different. There isn't a single policy that couldn't be debated into being a better policy for both parties. I, I haven't heard it. I haven't heard it. So try. <laughs> It's a challenge for y'all. Just try. Yeah. And the the other kind of side of it, too, is if you're not paying attention to what's going on with a lot of the provincial uh, Green parties, and maybe, Sandy, you don't know this, but like the provincial party in in, in Quebec calls itself an eco-socialist party. So there is going to be movement among the membership of the Greens that will be in direct uh, confrontation with those Greens that want to have that, that progressive conservative kind of perspective. I mean, now is the fucking moment. Stop talking about the Green New Deal and actually figure out how to create a rapport de force between these two parties to unblock the rut that they've found themselves in.